Ramblers, let's get rambling. Episode 689 of my podcast, a home intelligent rambling right here on the Talk Shoot Network, with the longest running single hosted pop culture podcast in Ontario. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Russell Hale. We have a terrific show lined up for you today as we keep on marching into the month of October and Halloween season. One of my favorite times of year. <laughs> as if you're a long term listener of the show, you know, I love Halloween, I love things spooky. And and so, I, I you know, I, I don't like the season changing and everything, but still. You know, and there's something we said, at least that's a good thing of, you know, we get Halloween. And, of course, <laughs> if you're a Doctor Who fan, the the, um, the 60th anniversary specials are getting closer and closer. They're teasing us relentlessly with these trailers. Man, do I want to see it. And please, and I'll not be woke. Please. We can only hope. Coming up on today's show, we got a mixed bag of a few things <laughs> to check out. Starting off the show, we're going to continue another, fran- another entry into the Sniper franchise. With Sniper Grit, G-R-I-T, Global Response and Intelligence Team, on DVD, courtesy of Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. And we go from the uh, team of Sniper and Grit to uh, a little retro uh, 4K Blu-ray movie review, this time. A brand new 4K release of Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon. Uh, A little martial arts action. Then we go from the world of martial arts to the world of Bobby. And my Blu-ray review of the Barbie movie. Yes, I'm talking about the show. Sorry, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. And to finish things off, we go from the world of Barbie fashions to the world of chompins. And, you know, it's been October. I want to put something scary in the show. And that's going to be the 4K movie review of Meg to the Trench, courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment. That's all in this episode of Ramble with Russell. So we're going to take a little musical interlude right for the first review of the show. My DVD movie review for this episode is Sniper G-R-I-T, or Sniper Global Response and Intelligence Team, courtesy of Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Now, this, of course, is a sequel to uh, Sniper Rogue Mission, which came out back in 2022. And, you know, not that long ago. And it's a follow-up, really, to that movie. So a lot of the cast does return for this one, uh, you know, for the sequel. And it's basically, if if you guys remember, I reviewed Strike Force quite a while ago on this TV show. And this team very much is kind of like a poor man's Strike Force. It's like if you took all the, you know, the concepts of Strike Force... And then put it into this movie, you'd kind of have that, except you don't have. They, they try to do it. Returning back is Chad Michael Collins as Brandon Beckett. Ryan Robinson is back as Zero. Dennis Haysbert, of course, a lot of people remember him from uh, David Palmer from 24. He's back as Gabriel Stone. And Josh Brenner is back as Intel Pete. New cast members include Luna Fujimoto as Lady Death. Or they sometimes call her by her actual like name as opposed to Lady Death. It's they, they, they bounce back and forth. And then you have uh, Michael Sim, Matthew Sim as Doctor Zoran Zorik, and you have uh, you know various other cast members in this. And the, the plot of this movie is kind of 
Oh, anyway, it, it, what it is is uh, the, the team has sent out to investigate this kind of cult group <laughs> being led by this head fanatic because one of their own, the late death character, has gone missing, so they're trying to rescue her. Now, this cult that they're investigating, <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's kind of like if you take Cobra, okay, and you make, paint them all green and say, you know, instead of blue as, as a color for evil, we're all going to wear green outfits. It's kind of like a green cobra or a missing, you know, is dating lady, you know, it's like they even have like a baroness almost in this. It, it's weird. So, uh, so they, they, they have to rescue Lady Death because she's gone in to infiltrate the cult. And, and they, this cult has like plans that could really screw up the planet. <laughs> so they're the team that has to go in and take care of it. And so that, that's kind of it. You have, it's almost like a weird team. You have the sniper guy who just picks things off. And then the other guy, Zero, is kind of like, well, I'm going to put your target over here. And they put your target over here. So it, it, it's very much, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's, it's kind of like this, this cultist group is really like, because what I've never seen any other cult, you know, kind of evil organization that kind of, you know coordinates her outfits to, we're all wearing this color rather than Cobra. So that is what we have in this movie. It is what it is. If you like, the, you know, the first Sniper Rogue Mission, it's pretty much the same, uh, except it's more of a, like, going after this cult. The, the action sequences are there. Uh, the, the dynamic is there, although a lot of times it's like, okay, if she has this code name for Lady Death, why do you keep calling her from her first name? And, and it's there. It, it, it does so much remind me of, of, of um, Strike Back. If you've watched that show, it just without the really cool intro music, which I still, to this day, I still love that song. Um, so it is what it is. There are no extras on this. There is strictly, you know, it's just, just a movie. Now it is rated R for violence because there are always some, you know, there's headshots in this movie <laughs> and it does get a little bloody and a little gory. So it's not for the kids. Ah, uh, but it is what it is. It's, it's another entry into the franchise. Doesn't help to have watched the first one Rogue Mission to understand this one. Somewhat, maybe you get, you know, more of a feel of the characters and their, and their, uh, you know, interplay between each other. More of, you know, because you get more of a relationship rather than just two dudes and a chick <laughs> trying to take over the world. Haysburg is in this, but he's very much a support character. He's like, you know, in and then gone, then in and then gone. And, and the one guy, Matthew Simpain, Dr. Zoran Zorik, he's like, he's like a poor man's Dr. Mindbender, in a way. <laughs> and there's a few twists and turns in. Some you may see, some you may not see. But it is what it is. It, it's one of those kind of popcorn, action-y flicks. Uh, the, the character who plays Lady Death, I mean, uh, Fujimoto, her character is so messed up. I mean, what, what she has to go through. Imagine uh, a character like Gamora, but human. That that's kind of the equivalent. She's like you know uh, uh, a a human Gamora, and how her childhood totally got messed up. So if you're looking for you know just some kind of you know popcorn light on, on the you know uh, actiony movie and and a team, it it is what it is. Uh, it, it kind of like says okay you know this team has a dynamic and you're just gonna have to watch it and get used to it and then figure it out. And that's like okay. But it doesn't give you a lot to work on. So that is what it is. Would have been nice to have some extras, even a little behind the scenes. Couldn't have hurt this release. I mean, it's DVD. The video quality is what it is, DVD. 
So if you enjoyed, you know, the, the first one, you're going to get more of the same. And if you're just looking for like, you know, a, 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 just a little, you know, international kind of mission-based stuff, it, it is what it is. Although there's one point where, where one of the characters gets tracked and you're like, why didn't you figure this out sooner? You're supposed to be these high, top intelligent operatives and you didn't clue in on how you're getting tracked. So, uh, <laughs> and it very much tries to mix the humor with the action, which sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So that is my take of Sniper GRIT Grid Global Response and Intelligence Team on DVD, courtesy of the great folks at Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Whoa. This episode is Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon, courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment sent me a copy of this movie to review for the podcast. The opinions I express are my own. Now, this is kind of the quintessential kind of Bruce Lee movie, and he was done at, at the height of his career, like shortly before his death, which is kind of sad in a way that this man had so much potential and it just got cut short. And and as well as movies, I you know I've always thought I, I, I've been meaning to check out. So when they got they sent me a copy of this, I thought, yeah, yeah, this movie I definitely need to um, investigate. This plot is pretty simple. Bruce Lee plays a really good martial artist, and you learn how good he is at the start of this movie when he's like sparring with a guy and just royally kicks his butt, like just bam, bam, bam. You're like, yeah, no real contest here. He gets you know constricted 
by his government to be a spy in a in a tournament by day, and then he he must kind of so he enters the tournament by day, and then at night he needs to like you know spy on this crime lord's illegal drug operation. So he's going in as a competitor, but the government says no. You know, you know, at night you need to kind of spook, spy on this because you have the perfect cover because you're a competitor. So that's kind of the premise of the movie. He goes in to compete and also be like a super spy. So imagine James Bond, who really, really knows martial arts, <laughs> and and that's kind of the style. And Bruce Lee, I mean, he's just you look at him and he he was so in shape and so intense. When it comes to this, starting along the way, you have John Saxon as Roper. This is, you know, uh, a young John Saxon. This is before the days of, you know, of, um, of you know, Friday the 13th kind of deal. And, you know, it's 50 years ago. And he, it's amazing how much young he looks. He was pretty good for martial arts. You also have Jim Kelly as Williams, uh, another competitor in this. And, and it's, you know, it's very much the quintessential kind of martial arts movie the fights in this movie are brutal like keep in mind they're not point punches in this it's super intense now this is the 50th anniversary of this and you do get you know both the theatrical and special edition versions now the big difference being that the special edition has little like added bonus scenes that that bruce lee wanted to put in the movie but they said, you know, it's kind of running kind of long and we need to cut it out a bit. So, as usual, that can happen. So, it, you get both choices. You can either watch the original as is or the extra bits, which kind of add some padding, some story, which according to Bruce Lee's widow, and you get an introduction by her, by Linda Lee Cadwell, that was what they intended to do. Now, you do get commentary by Paul Heller and Michael Allen. Uh, when it comes to this movie, and of course they were, they were part of the uh, one of the writers. Michael Allen was one of the writers of it. So, so you do get you know at least some commentary in this release. Uh, for 50th anniversary though, I would have liked to have more meat on the bones, like something on the restoration of 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 you know the actual movie would have been great. You know, and how and how they got to 4K. Maybe a behind-the-scenes feature. I'm surprised nothing. A 50-year-old movie was done. This is, you know, rated R for a reason. There's a great scene, too, when, like, a horror hall of mirrors, which, you know, that's been done a lot of times in TV shows and that back in the 70s, but it works really well. And considering this is, like, the 70s, right? We're not talking, you know, CGI where you can fool things and green screen it and yada, 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 yada. <laughs> this is, you know... They did what they did back then. It was a lot of practical effects. <laughs> if you're looking for like a quintessential kind of Bruce Lee movie, this is is what it is. And and it just his potential died so short. So well, you know, as I said, I uh, I, I would definitely uh, for 50th anniversary, this deserved you know more of of a thing, more more of a you know, special edition treatment. I would love to have seen the featurettes. Maybe some, some vintage interviews with Bruce talking about, you know, bringing his style of fighting to, to, uh, to the, you know, to the Western audience. I mean, there's so much there they could have done and they didn't do, and I think they should have done. Picture-wise, this is the best this movie's ever going to look. You know, I, I they, they really cleaned it up well. It just looks gorgeous in 4K, 
and really is, is something to be appreciative. So if you like these type of movies and you've always been curious about Bruce Lee, yeah, this is definitely one to get. I just, should more meat in the bones with the extras. You know, it's great to hear from his widow and at least there's commentary, but I think something that this movie deserved a little bit more than what we got. So that is my take of Bruce Lee Enter the Dragon on 4K Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment. This episode is Barbie, courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment sent me a copy of this Blu-ray to review for my podcast. The opinions I express are my own. Now, when they announced this movie, I thought, okay. And let me give you the around this little history of me and Barbie, okay? I have two younger sisters. One of them was a huge Barbie fan. I'm talking a lot of Barbies. And she had a friend growing up, and they were just like, they played Barbies all the time. So, you know, I kind of grew up with it in a way, being an older brother and, 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 and just 
that's that's my exposure to the world of Barbie. It's just, they're everywhere. So when they announced this movie, I thought, okay, we're going to make a live-action Barbie movie. Because there have been a buttload, and I mean a lot, of animated Barbie movies over the last few years. There's like, you go into like any big box store, and there's like collections of them. So it's the first time Barbie's been, you know, dramatized, but it's the first live-action one. And this time around, they picked to be the stereotypical Barbie of Margot Robbie. Now, of course, MA fans know Margot Robbie, yeah, she was Harley Quinn in, in the Suicide Squad movies and the solo um, Harley Quinn movie, which <laughs> we reviewed that on this very show. It was not the hit they wanted it to be. So, looks wise, you're thinking, yeah, I mean, hands down, the way they did her in this movie, it, it works. And when it comes to the Ken song, I just love, I don't know what is on the line that, you know, anywhere else I'd be a 10, but here I'm just Ken. <laughs> it kind of summarizes the whole existence of the character, of the doll in the Barbie franchise, which is sad in a way, but very much true. Ryan Gosling is Ken, but one of many Kens. And just like Barbie, Margot Robbie's Barbie is one of many Barbies. And the way they did this movie, and it's it's an odd film. Because I saw the trailers, and I'm thinking, like, how, how are you going to make a live-action movie of this? In this universe, in this Barbie world, in this multiverse of Barbie, <laughs> what it is, is the Barbie world, like, where the Barbies and the Kens exist, is a real thing, right? And Mattel somehow has tapped into this universe and has, I guess, years ago, and 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 they they've made toys from it. So, so every Barbie toy, every every iteration of Barbie, is in this world along the Kens. And this movie is kind of what you get if, if it's a wish fulfillment movie by people who love Barbie. Love the whole deal, Max. And this, and it, you can tell it's done this, right? Because they show versions of Barbie that I didn't even know existed. And yet they do. Like, like I, I knew the one about the, I hate math. <laughs> but they, they, they do versions of her. That's like, they really made a Barbie for that? And, and I'll give them props. The costumes, the sets, the way they recreated the toys in like a real life thing, you know, having a younger sister who enjoyed Barbie, top notch, man. <laughs> That's a lot of work and a lot of pink. And, and you know, from what I can see, he's a casual older brother of somebody who's to love Barbies. Yeah. Now, is this movie made for me? No. <laughs> and I'll give you reasons why. Because... Uh, the, the, the showcase, this movie is such a, a, a love letter to every girl. And again, maybe the guys out there, I'm not going to be a judge, I'm not judging, who has loved Barbie because they, they show all these outfits. And there's probably people going like, who are Barbie crazy, going like, oh, it's showing this outfit, and it's showing that outfit. And it's like, wowza. It's, it's, it's just a smorgasbord of, of Barbie stuff. And you can tell just by watching it, <laughs> the makers of this movie, they really love Barbie. And when you watch special features, which we'll go into a little bit later, yeah, it, they make that very, very clear. <laughs> now, I I was worried 
you know, because there's, there's a trend, Ramblers, you know this, I know this, in culture, to make movies where men look like idiots, okay? Where we, they, they just like, you know, Ghostbusters 2016, right? <laughs> and, and, yeah, there, there's a point in this movie where Ken looks like a complete idiot. And, and the way they do this universe, so Margot Robbie is your stereotypical Barbie, and all these other actresses are versions of Barbie. And in the Barbie world in this movie, Barbie reigns supreme, right? And, and Ken is like, well, you know, there's just Ken, right? He's an afterthought. He's like, oh, well, you know, he's just there, but they don't do much. And the women at the start of this movie, they rule, right? And, and the Barbie gets sent to the real world because somebody's playing with one, a version of her and they're having problems. And their crisis, their mental crisis, is flowing into Barbie land and causing stereotypical Barbie to get flat feet, to start worrying about death. And so it's a weird symbiosis relationship that's going on here that they establish in the movie. So that forces stereotypical Barbie, along with really Beach Ken, to, to venture into the real world to find what's happening because this could, you know, it's like ripple effects going across into Barbie land. Ken goes into the real world with her and then finds out about patriarchy. And this is where we start getting into the men are dumb and, and cruel method because in, in Barbie land, women rule. And then Ken comes into the real world with Barbie finds all these books of patriarchy, which apparently has some weird obsession with horses. I don't know why, but whoever wrote this movie, the director, right, apparently thinks that all of us men, we love horses. We love horses so much that, that they are a symbol of patriarchy. So Ken comes back with all these books on patriarchy and, and, and how men actually do have power in some ways. And, and and it turns Barbie world into Ken world. And this causes, you know, disastrous results where all the, the, the female Barbies, instead of being independent and, you know, we rule this world, become subservient to the Ken characters. <laughs> and and that's such a big conflict here. And and the Ryan Gosling Ken, Beach Ken, he doesn't really get along with the other Kens. He kind of like this, the outcast, even though he looks like a stereotypical Ken. He He's like, oh, you know, other ones don't really seem to respect him. And there's one point where they get an argument and, and they're, they're arguing about wanting to beach each other off, right? I'm going to beat you. No, I'm going to beat you more. And I'm sorry. <laughs> the way they say beach, we all know what they're referring to, Ramblers, don't we? You know what they're trying to say? It, it, it's of all the words to choose and how to say it. It's like, okay. <laughs> so we have that going. So it, it ends to the, the Barbies along with a rogue male character because he doesn't fit in with the other Kens to, to try to take back their land. Will Farrell was in this as an account executive to, to Mattel. And, and Rita Perlman has a very interesting kind of guest role in this one. This is an odd movie, guys. This really is. Uh, though, the highlight to me, and it's almost a musical in a way, too. The highlight to me is, 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 is Ryan Gosling and the rest of the Kens singing the song Just Ken. 
because it's it, it it's you know it, it's such a it's such a catchy song and and out of all the songs in this movie and some of the song choices are like i'm really not the target audience for this movie are just kind of out there for me the just ken song is is just it's so catchy and it's so like yeah man and and at one point they, they have like uh, uh a dream battle or dream da- battle dance and, and it goes like <laughs> they have this fighting sequence it's all slow-mo and they're uh, it just gets surreal at this point so that that's the highlight for me is that that song because i challenge you to not listen to it and ryan goslin sings his little heart out in it <laughs> and it's just there and the funny thing is so you look at this movie right so at the start of this movie the the, the kansas is to barbie you know ryan gosling can beach can goes to the real world finds out wait a minute doesn't have to be that way and then starts to turn things around and make the women subservient and then so the barbies go like oh darn we don't we don't like it the, the tails being switched and and you would think so they, they, they fight to make it back and maybe but they don't see what they were doing to the kens was wrong because even though it's get done right back to them in a more extreme level like kick it up a notch <laughs> So it's an odd movie. Plus, it points to character design and, and, and costumes really spot on. I mean, it must take a lot of effort to put all that real, like real life, real upscale, the Barbie stuff. And watching the extras, as I said, they, they clearly, and you, you watch this, they clearly were, you know, <laughs> making this movie for fans of barbie because even in the in the featurettes you're saying like oh you know this was like a wish fulfillment for us to play barbie and all these iconic barbies and they're talking about some of the male dancers and the, maybe they were the male characters maybe were a musical theater i'm thinking wow really musical theater could have fooled me not it's like <laughs> so in a way it's like greta gerwig said you know i just i've always wanted to, to like play barbie or I have a Barbie where, where Barbies come to life and it's like a wish. And all the actresses are talking about, oh, it's a wish fulfillment. And and see Barbie have an existential crisis. It's like, all right. Uh, and I'm really curious, Ramblers. And, and you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll put this poll up uh, on, on, on the Twitter feed. Uh, if you're a, a longtime Barbie fan, did you, like, if you grew up playing with Barbies, did you like this movie? Did it speak to you as somebody used to play with the dolls? Because I don't know. I, I I was trying to figure out the message in this other than men can be douches, which, God, Jesus, always can can we just lay off that harp? Yes, I'll admit it. My gender, man, we can be just regular beep beeps, but we don't need to keep hammering this again and again in the media. Can I just have a story? Where, where this doesn't have to be the, be the highlight of things. Can we just... Well, we used to. Just not have to constantly bash genders. <laughs> but... Uh, it, it's it's just the way it is. The featurettes are good. Uh, you know, it really goes over a lot of, of what... The making of the movie. And it does... Like, you get six featurettes. And it does explain those. Like, okay, yes, now I see. <laughs> 
some of your why, some of the filmmaking decisions you did. Because if you feel that way, I can see why you shot that way. Uh, points to Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie. They, they really, they, they become their character. And, and it's funny because there's one point in the movie where, where it, it uh, the, like Barbie goes into the real world and she talks to some young girl and, and this young girl and her mom are the kind of the focus. And, and this young girl rips into Barbie. Like you are, you have set the women's movement back and here's all the things that are wrong with you. And it's like, wow, you like to point that out in your own film. I, I just, some of the decisions, I, I just don't get it. And now keep in mind the director of this, she also, uh, directed a movie we've talked about on this show, Little Women. So you can clearly see, and we reviewed that on the show that came back by in 2019. She does like a certain type of pro-female movie. And, you know, it's a sister's choice. Uh, lots of other, um, you know, this, this, it's funny, you look at the cast roll in. This is Barbie, this is Barbie, this was Ken, this was Ken, this was Ken. So it's like, if one of the actors said, yeah, I played Ken or Barbie in the movie, like, which one did you play? Other than the, you know, you have to win the main leads. <laughs> so it is what it is. Could they make a sequel to this? Oh, Lordy. If they did, I don't know what they would do. This It kind of wraps things up in a bow. I, I, I don't know what the heck they could do for a sequel uh, with it. Because it's just an odd film. But it is what it is uh, when, when it comes to it. I don't know. I, I, for life of me, I was trying to figure out what is the, the what other than men or men uh, can be really bad. What is the main message you're trying to portray? What do you want fans of Barbie or maybe when I even now you like are 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 big fans of it? What do you want people to come away from? Sometimes I can get it in the movie and I go, oh, da, da. but this one confuses the heck out of me. So <laughs> uh, it just I don't understand what you were trying to accomplish in this film other than hey look it's Bobby and look at all her clothes that she used to wear all over the years maybe so it is what it is so that is my take of Barbie movie on Blu-ray courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment
My second 4K Blu-ray review plus episode is Meg 2 The Trench, courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment sent me a copy of this 4K Blu-ray to review for the podcast. The opinions I express are on my own. Now, of course, this is the sequel to the Meg that originally aired, uh, originally was in theaters back in 2018, which I have reviewed on this very program, and of course is based on the Steve Alton novels, where he did a, he did a bunch of Meg novels, and I've had a chance you know, to kind of listen to slash read uh, quite a few of the Meg novels. And I was excited, you know, when they first announced the Meg, like, these are really cool stories. I can't wait to see a live-action adaption of them. And for the most part, in the first Meg, I went and rewatched it again. They changed a few things, but it still had the feel of the novel. In the second movie, boy, there are ch-ch-ch-changes from the novel, and they really deviate a lot. Now, in the novel, uh, in the second novel, you had a very interesting relationship between the, the character of Jason Statham's character and the character of Su Yin. And, and the, the, in the novel, the, they, they build on what was established in the first story. So, you know, the, the second story is sent years later after the first, and, and their relationship has progressed, but not without difficulties. So you had that in the second novel, and I thought, oh, the sequel, maybe they're going to play on that, because the chemistry between Jason Statham and the actress who played Su Ying was really well done. I thought it worked there, and, and re-watching the first one again, I thought, yeah, that's cool. I can't see how they can, you know, expand on the second story, go into what some of the novels did, and how they had a relationship, and things just kind of went the wrong way. And, and that kind of focus. Well, sadly, if you're a fan of the, the, the novel, uh, you know, Sun Yin, unfortunately, has been written out of the story. And I looked into this, and the actress who played her, apparently there, there were some issues with some conflicts, and they couldn't get her to appear in the sequel. And rather than Rather than saying, oh, okay, you know, let's just recast her like they did for, you know, one of the Mummy sequels. No, we're, we're just going to write her out of the story completely and, and, and get, you know, and, and put it in a way that that, that actress can come back if they want to do a third movie. They have taken that character off the table. And I don't get that because by doing that, if you want to adapt more of these novels, She's a fairly big character, and, and you're changing a lot when it comes to any sequels going forward. So I don't know if, if I like that change. I was really looking forward to seeing them continue that dynamic, and it's like, nope, sorry. <laughs> it's really all about the sharks and the big creatures. Now, what, what the, the, the sequel does is it kind of ups it. And it as I said, it takes parts of the novel. You now you have the 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 um, the Meg that's in captivity. Although in the movie they don't go over how they got this extra Meg and how they got this one in captivity. And in in the novels, it's not just one Meg in captivity. There's dose of them. So you have that going on. And so they take quite a lot of liberties when it comes to what was on the on this on the you know the page and what is on the screen. I think compared to the first movie and the first book. A lot of changes in this. Returning in the cat, Jason Statham is back as Jonas, Jonas Taylor. You have, you know, Cliff Curtis is back as Mac. Mei Ying, uh, the character, Shuya 
Sophia Cali. She is back. This much, much older version of her, of course. Uh, Paige Kennedy is back as DJ, although this is not the version of DJ from the first movie. Since the first movie, the character has kind of wisened up, and he's not as much of a wuss. He's not a wuss like he was in the first movie. So they really kind of empowered him a little bit. And you have a, a bunch of other like new characters in this one, where they where they established in the sequel that they are starting to explore the trench more. And you know what it is when it comes to nature? If you get a little too curious, bad things are going to happen. So not only does one, they have to do with one Meg, but a series of Megs and some other little creatures and a, um, and a, and a giant octopus, which they kind of, you know, teased at in the first movie. So there is that in this. There's one sequence where the, 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 the cast members have to walk across, you know, the, the ocean floor. And that brings you a lot of memories of the abyss. If you haven't seen the movie in a while, that, that kind of like, we have to walk on the ocean floor to survive kind of deal. Another, and a new character that is brought into this movie is the character of Zhuming Zhang, played by Jing Wu, who is the, the brother of, of the, uh, of the Suying character, who is never mentioned in the first movie. He's like, the brother out of nowhere. He's like Niles Crane from Frasier, where he just, Suddenly he has a brother. And he is kind of taking over part of the, the male lead here. Because Jonas, really for the most part, doesn't really have a love interest in this one. They've kind of taken that off the table. He's kind of adopted Maying. Because they don't really say how her mother died. She just, you know, no longer in the picture. And that's it. And that, I, I think that when you, when you build a character so much in the first movie, to kind of say, done off screen, is, is a disservice, really. And I feel that poor Mera <laughs> and Aquaman 2 will probably, for different reasons, probably getting the same treatment. I'm going to call it now. I haven't yet to see this movie, but I see a similar fate for Mera in this. Uh, on 4K, this movie looks gorgeous. It's one of the movies I wish I could have seen in a theater just to, um, to see audience reactions to this. You don't get a lot of extras in this, unfortunately, just two featurettes. I would have loved to hear director commentary because they do change directors in this one. You have a totally different director than the first. The writing team stays the same, but this time around, it is directed by Ben Wheatley. And and I would like to know, like, why change directors? Most of the time, you know, if, if the first movie does well, you'd want to see me stay with the same director. But no, no, they don't do that. There is a really cool scene in this one with a T-Rex, which... I don't know if that was in the first or the second or second or the third novel that really, you know, emphasizes how nasty these sharks were. I mean, they were just something that really were nothing you wanted to mess with. And, and even, you know, was was competition for the, the, the mightiest, mightiest land lizard there. Uh, there are a lot more people that get chomped in this one. And, and it, it, it's, I mean, they do play some things for laughs. But it is still, uh, you know, as, as serious as the first movie. And, and not a movie you want to be showing kids. Because it can be rather terrifying. There are some, there are some, I guess, somewhat comedic deaths, if you want to call it. But the neat lighting effects. Like, when they're on the ocean floor, that's kind of cool. And, and you can tell, because there is a lot of Mandarin in this, that this very much was a Chinese, um, like, co-production. Because the Chinese actors are really heavily favored. And, and are, you know, part of the heroes of this feature. So, yeah, it, it's, the, the, you can tell just by 
there's just so much Mandarin. It's like so much. It's like, gee, you know, if it wasn't for subtitles, I wouldn't know half of what they're saying, like, especially between the Maying and, and her uncle. Like, it's like they just talk in Mandarin whenever they can, and that that's part of the movie. Oh, you know, as sequels go, yes, I mean it. It is bigger and badder in some ways because we have more, you know, than just one creature. And, and that adds to it. And then Pippin the dog comes back <laughs> for some reason. The effects look good in, in 4K. Uh, will they make a third? I don't know, because they, they've changed so much from the Alton novels. I I, look, I I know the plot of the third movie, the book, but I don't know how they can incorporate it with a third movie, considering they have changed so much, you know, in you know, in the movie version of this. And and a lot of the deaths in this one, you know, we don't get in the territory of Jurassic Park 2, where it's like, ah, like that, that, that one scene which I cannot stand. It still makes me sick. We don't have that. People get shown, but it, it's not, it's almost not as gory as it could be. Like, they almost toned it down, like, people get eaten, but you don't see people mangled, I guess, as much as you think they would be. But overall, uh, a, a nice entry into it. Jason's Titan is as intense as ever. And and some of the the, the effects are, are well done. I like the God of Water Water movies, and we don't sometimes see enough of it. And and they do self-reference uh, the, the previous movie we like. And, and that's... that that That's what is. It is a movie that definitely makes Jaws look like a guppy <laughs> when it comes to that. So that is my take of, and it, I would, it would have been nice to actually have like uh, a feature, like a little more featurettes and maybe a director's commentary because I think it would have been nice to see a little more in like how we pulled this movie off and why we made changes and those sort of things. So that is my take of Meg to the Trench on 4K Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment. Well, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. As always, you can touch me the number of ways. You're going to check me out on X or formerly Twitter at, at RamblingRuss, at R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S. Tweet me. I'll tweet you back. I appreciate all the uh, likes and, and re X's, retweets, whatever you want to call them for me. It really helps to you know spread the love of the show. Thank you for that. Of course, you can always check out new episodes right here on the Talk Show Network. I'm caller ID 18411. Check out all new episodes here as well as in Spotify and Google Play and many other directories across the World Wide Web for podcasts. I, my show gets added to places all the time. If you want to blast from the past, fast, fast, check out my original website, Alan Lipson, where I have over six-plus years of podcasting goodness. From the start, way back in 2006, uh, when I started, 2013, then I went to more, uh, more regular episodes here on uh, uh, Talk where you can find some classic interviews, reviews, and um, and convention coverage from Fan Expo way back in the day. Lots of good exclusive content you're not going to find anywhere else but on my show. <laughs> coming up, oh, we got, or the, uh, coming up, the next episode is going to be my Halloween special. Where I got a lot of stuff planned, including reviews of Blue Beetle on Blu-ray. And continuing the superhero side, we'll have the Justice League crossover with Ruby, Superheroes and Huntsman Part 2 on 4K Blu-ray. It's the second part of the first part we talked about, and, and more with superheroes, the Titans' fourth and final season on DVD. I'll give you, checking that out for you guys and seeing how it all wraps up, as well as the Blu-ray DVD combo pack of the movie Strays, or starring Will Ferrell and Jim Fox as dogs, 
courtesy of Universal Pictures Home Entertainment, and courtesy of my wallet, the possibly the uh, peer review of Scream Six, as well. All those in a in next next episode's Halloween feature. Some may get pushed to another show. We will see what I can get through for the next program. Of course, it will feature some Halloween spooky music and my favorite song of all uh, will uh, once again annually make the show. So that is coming up on the next episode. Lots of titles to talk about in upcoming future. Still need to get my reviews of the the uh, Blu-ray movie review of the movie Air featuring the, the story of Michael Jordan's shoes as well as Rio Bravo 4K and East of Eden. And speaking of Ruby, my uh, Blu-ray review of Ruby Volume 9, all courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment. So that is coming up in the next episodes of the show. Just bear with me. And a few other reviews kind of cooking. Also, uh, a tech review. I have the nice folks at Samsung were able to send me a Galaxy a 9 tablet. I had a chance to check that out. And a tech review will be coming out very soon as well. They did send me, I'm, I'm checking out, a Samsung uh Galaxy 6 Watch, which I will be talking about on this very program. So some tech reviews coming to the show. I don't get to do them that often, but sometimes you know, I mix things up, make things interesting. And I'm uh, still working on uh, my uh, YouTube channel. I know I keep talking about this, and Bernie from work keeps saying, Russ, just got to do it. I will pull the trigger soon. I will uh, plan on uh, you know expanding the show to maybe a video format and the Ramble Russell Video Vault. I'm still working on getting... Like my first content, I have so much I, I filmed and kind of filmed. I just need to edit it and get it out there. Gonna include some action figure reviews and a few other things. Maybe even the watch review. Maybe do a dual review on that in an, uh, in the very near future. I just need to finally get it done. I keep procrastinating about this. But before the end of the year, that will go live. And look for links for that in uh, on the X feed and other social medias that I can uh, throw out there. I hope you guys check it out. I, I have some really interesting concepts. For the the Video Vault uh, web web uh, YouTube channel, including some um, some action figure uh, adventure kind of shorts that, that I hope you find funny uh, that I want to film very soon with some of the figures I review and some of the new stuff I've got to talk about, especially some, some comedic bits on kind of. Toss around, and if you're you know in the in, in the mood for getting some more action, new action figures, check out my code RamRus10 through Entertainment Earth. That would save you ten percent, and any orders from Entertainment Earth that are over seventy nine dollars or more, uh, U.S. do ship free. So if you're in the hankering for some action figures, check out Entertainment Earth. If you use that code, that helps me and the show. I don't you know use Patreon. I don't beg for you know money any other way. But using that link, we'll send a message to uh, Entertainment Earth, and maybe we'll get some more, you know, more interesting and very variety of action figure reviews that maybe I know I don't can't get any other way through them. And if you want to contribute to the show as well, I still have my uh, you know uh, Amazon wish list link. If you want anything that's review anything that's bought through the Amazon wish list, I will review in the show. If you want to remain anonymous, you can. If you want your name mentioned, I will gladly mention it as a thank you. Just a way you can control what I review on the show. Some, you know, content that you can have a say in. And, and a lot of that is action figures. So if, if it will make it, you know, in the future episodes of the Video Vault. So, you know, if you can afford it, do it. Uh, it's just a way of getting back to the show. And, you know, you have a say in the show. That is it for me for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll catch you next time right here on Ramble Russell. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>